He's Elim's national evangelist. Uh, that's a fancy title for a Bradford lad. <laughs> so we, let's yeah. welcome Mark. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Brilliant morning again. Is it morning? Afternoon? Just touching the afternoon. Great to be here with you. So um, just out of interest, uh, has anybody here ever, ever made a mistake? Give us a quick show of hands. Okay, okay. Anybody ever made, uh, anybody made a mistake while they've been here? Oh, that's worrying, isn't it? That's worrying. Uh, anybody, uh, anybody ever made a mistake which um, even now you're really hoping somebody doesn't find out about it? <laughs> I'd love it if we could have just somehow managed to drop the lights and put the spotlight on you just to see the mild panic which ensues. That would have been great. Has anybody ever made a mistake which secretly you really want people to find out about because you're proud of it? Anybody? Well, I've done quite a few of those. Normally they end up in talks, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I guess if we're really honest, like, w- w- life is kind of all about mistakes, really, isn't it? Don't you think? I mean, not that I'm wanting to make you feel depressed or anything, but it's true, isn't it? It's like, it, it, I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I've never done this before. Have you? By the way, the answer I'm looking for for this question is no, because that would be slightly weird. But I've never done this before. It's, it's a bit of a learning curve, isn't it, breathing? Don't you think? Just kind of trying to navigate your way through this, this crazy world and somehow make sense of, of life and the world. And, and I guess if we're all really honest, it, we, we kind of make a lot of mistakes along the way. We kind of, some of them we're, we're okay about. They're not, they're not massive, they're not significant, but some of them can be massive. In fact, I've met people uh, through my life, I, I travel uh, around the UK, I've been doing it for, for many, many years. I do a lot of miles through the year, and so I get to meet lots and lots of people. And I, I meet some people who made mistakes like years ago and are kind of still living in the regret of making those mistakes. One of the things, one of the many things I love about God, by the way, He has the knack of changing things around and turning things around so that you don't have to live in the shadow of those mistakes. But mistakes are easily made. I came across this list of, um, it's not a new list, I'm sure you've seen it before, it's um, driving insurance claims forms. And it's how people have kind of attempted to explain the mistakes they've made and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the words are there, but they're not necessarily in the right order and can maybe just say something different. Like, I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel. I suppose you would if you'd been driving that long, really, wouldn't you? I love this one. I pulled away from the side of the road, looked in my rear view mirror, saw my mother-in-law and drove over the embankment. That's a good one. Like that one. I was on my way to the doctor with rear-end trouble (laughs) when my universal joint gave way, causing me to have an accident. It's bad news when your universal joint gives way, isn't it? I love this one. I've actually done this. Not quite as bad as this, but I have done this. I thought my window was down, but I found it was up when I put my head through it. It's great, isn't it? I love this one. 
The pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran him over. <laughs> Love it. The other car collided with mine without giving warning of its intention. And then finally, I consider neither vehicle to be to blame. Sorry, I consider neither vehicle at, to, to, to blame. But if one was to blame, it was the other one. And it, like nobody was at fault here, but just in case, it was definitely the other. Because we're very good at that, aren't we? So the truth is, all the way through life, we're making mistakes. We are surrounded by mistakes. And you know what? Even like you know the Bible, that's full of mistakes. I don't know if you know that. I mean, there's some massive ones, but there's some small. It's full of mistakes. Now, those of you who are committed Christians are starting to twitch now. They're going, he's saying the Bible's full of mistakes. So you, you know, breathe, it's all right. But I, I've read the Bible, and, and I mean, it is rammed full of mistakes. So let, I'm going to tell you about something. So one was a guy named Adam. Oh man, he made a massive mistake. Now those again of you who are Christians are going, oh, I see what you're doing now. Now we can breathe. I mean, a massive mistake. It, this guy called Adam in the Bible, he, he, he messed around with something that he shouldn't have messed around with. Ever done that? And, and by the way, when I read these people in the Bible, I never judge them. Because I do loads of mistakes as well. But he, he, he messed around with something that he should never have messed around with. I, um, <laughs> years ago now, um, I had a friend of mine called Mick, and he said to me, hey, Mac, I'd love, I'd love to come with you to kind of just, just see what you do a little bit. I said, yeah, no, that's, that's fine. It was quite a few years ago. And um, I like to travel alone because for me, it's, it's like it's my own space. And so I'm not very good when other people are in my car because it's my space. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't mind the family occasionally, but <laughs> Mick's coming with me and we're driving down and I caught out the corner of my eye, he's, he's changing the temperature in my car. And I said to him, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm changing the temperature in your car. He said, can you say that sentence again? Because there's a clue. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? Just say it again. Let's, let's break it down word by word. I'm, I'm. Changing, changing, the, the, temperature, temperature, in, in, your, your, stop there. Yeah, my car. See, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just putting it out there. There's an etiquette to being in somebody else's car. And the, the etiquette is this. You don't change the seat without asking. And you don't change the temperature. Even if it is dual climate control, all right? Because it might be dual climate control, but if you've got it at 19 and I've got it at 20, I'm twitching. Do you know what I mean? I mean it's kicking in, my condition's kicking in. So he's in the car and we did the journey and then we get to this place. Now, the place where we were staying was a very nice property. It was owned by two people that were very wealthy. And uh, we didn't just have our own room, we had our own floor. I kid you not. And on our floor, we had our own room. With, with our ensuite, our own ensuite. Well, that's normally what ensuites are, isn't it? Your own. 
And so we arrived on, can't remember, let's say it was the Monday. Uh, we traveled down that night because the program was starting on the Tuesday. And we were doing loads of stuff, finishing with a big meeting in the evening in a place called the Plymouth Pavilions. And I was speaking at that meeting in the evening. So Mick was coming around me. We were doing loads of stuff through, through the week. So we arrived down there, saw him at breakfast. The, the, family, the couple who'd owned the house, they'd gone off to work. And we, we, we were just having breakfast. I said, um, standard conversation, how did you sleep? You sleep all right? He went, mate, I had an amazing sleep. He said, how nice are these houses? I said, I know. Like, we were both from Bradford. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> we, we could only dream of even standing in front of one of these houses. He said, how nice is this house? I said, I know. He said, how nice are our bedrooms? I went, I know. He said, how nice is the ensuite? I went, I know. He said, how nice is the drinking fountain? I said, the what, mate? He said, the drinking fountain. I've never had a bedroom with a drinking fountain. I said, you've got a drinking fountain in your bedroom. I said, I'm not being funny, but I am, I'm going to drink in fountain in my bedroom. I said, Mick, I'm, I'm, I'm like the headline speaker, do you know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm the big name this week, do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to be speaking and 1,500 people are going to be listening to me. I think if anybody deserves a drinking fountain, it's me. Do you know what I mean? It's not unfair, is it, that? I mean, my throat's going to get a serious hammering. I want a drinking fountain. I was ready to kick off. I said, I don't believe you for one minute. That you've got a drinking fountain. He said, well, come and check it. I said, I'm going to come and check it. So I walked into, up to his floor. I walked into his room. I walked into his bathroom. And saw his drinking fountain. <laughs> now, if some of you are wondering why everybody's laughing... When you get home, Google B-Day and click the images tab. I'm not like, I, don't, I didn't know what to do. I mean, still to this day, he thinks it was a drinking fountain. I couldn't tell him. I'm, honestly, I couldn't tell him. Like, and like I, every time I saw him, because he, he was having fresh water morning and evening. I didn't, I couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell him. I mean, you would like. Can I just? Who would have told him? Like, not many, not many. Who who would have just not said a thing? And every time he tells you he's had a lovely drink of water, you're killing yourself inside. <laughs> I couldn't tell him. I thought of all the things, of all the things in the bathroom. <laughs> You'd switch the drinking fountain. Oh my goodness me. And I'd say I still, I see him occasionally and I, I still haven't really. I can't tell him. I can't tell him. It'd be terrible if ever we have to have communion to tap together. I'll have to run and tell him. It wasn't a drinking fountain! Oh man, the one thing you just, don't touch that. Don't go there. And, and, and God had said that to this first person that ever walked on planet Earth. When, when God created the world, he created this incredible environment that is just like spot on for humanity. And this is what I've discovered. When, when you connect with God, you enter into an environment that is spot on 
for humanity. And God had said to Adam, look, in here, in fact, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, if you want to have a quick look at it to, to, to check it out, it's Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 17, for those who know your way around the Bible. But for everybody else, let me just, let me just tell you, it says the Lord God formed a person, a man from the dust of the ground, and then breathed his life into them. Do you know what? Becoming a Christian is all about allowing God to breathe his life into you. It's all about allowing God to breathe life and energy and purpose and dignity and value and love and, and, and all those amazing things that so many of us long for in life. And God breathed all of these into Adam and then he gave him some instructions. He said, look, enjoy yourself. Anything you want around here, like crack on, fill your boots as we say up north. It's like, just enjoy. He says, the, the only thing I'm going to say to you, Adam, there's this, everything you've got in this, in this environment, this, it was actually a garden. Uh, everything in here is for you to enjoy. It'll give you all that you want from life. But just, just over there, there's a tree and a, you mustn't touch it. That's, that's the one thing. Don't, don't make the mistake of touching that. But unfortunately, he, he kind of thought he knew best. And unfortunately, instead of kind of doing what God said, Adam started to do what he felt was best. And he was, he was led astray a little bit and a bit tempted. And the great sadness is that when he did that, it disconnected him from all that God had for him. And, you know, many people look at the Christian faith and they, they make a mistake they make a mistake. They make the mistake of thinking it's it's all about what you mustn't do. It's all about like suppressing and restricting, but it's not. Becoming a Christian is all about freeing. It's all about liberty. It's all about you becoming the person you want to be, which is actually the person God wants you to be. This is the remarkable thing, and so often we can make the mistake. Of either once connected with God but, but walking away. Or we can make the mistake of never connecting with God. And not living life his way. And the great sadness is that stops you really knowing the God who loves you. The God who just thinks you're amazing. The God who made you to connect with him. To know him. I don't know where you are in your journey of life and faith this morning, but don't make the mistake of being disconnected from God. Mistakes are easily made. They're easily made. But, but don't make the mistake this morning of living life without God. The Bible's got this, seems quite a harsh bit actually, but it says there's a way that seems right to a person, but the end leads to death. Uh, uh, and so often the way we live our life does seem right. But actually, I want my life to, the way I live to live my life to result in life, don't you? And energy and fullness. So the second mistake in the Bible was this guy, he, he was pretty wealthy, to be honest. He had a lot of money. So he had riches on his side. He, he had youth on his side. He was a young fella. And actually he was pretty prominent as well. He was a ruler in the local community. And uh, he, he, he made some mistakes. And again, I'm not going to judge him. Mistakes are 
easily made. It's easy to make mistakes. I, I don't know if you have a slightly bonkers life like me. Anybody have a slightly crazy, manic life? My life is just craziness supreme. I've got, um, I've got a wife and two children, and they're all active. I'm active. Do you understand the phrase like passing like ships in the night? And it's like sometimes, and it, it can be a little bit fraught, kind of trying to manage uh, life. And sometimes we've, we've made a few mistakes, you know. Like one, one particular time we went to a parents' evening, and Emma, my wife, I stress, Emma, my wife, couldn't find her car keys. This is a usual occurrence in our house, two or three times a day. The minute Emma says, has anybody, I start hyperventilating because I know what this is going to result in. And one particular occasion, it had been pretty manic, pretty stressful, and we couldn't find the keys. So we said, right, let's, let's trace our steps back. We went all the way back to the car. And I was like, I can't find the car. And I just thought, hang on a second. I just happened to notice that the windscreen wipers were doing that. <laughs> and as we got inside, we realized she'd left them in the ignition with it switched on. For four hours. Now we live in a town called Kenilworth. How thie- and, and in Kenilworth, anybody that steals anything, they certainly won't be stealing our car. They steal a slightly better car. So that's a result. That's a, if I was back in Bradford, it would have been gone. Honestly, it would have been gone. Everything would have been gone. So it's like in the franticness of life. And I read this great story of a lady who was in one such a situation. It said, hurrying off to play squash with some friends, Irene Parker of Parkgate in Cheshire realized she would not have enough time to make dinner until she got back. So she scribbled a note to her husband. Now, earlier in the day, one of their cats had had an encounter with two mice. And the mice had come off worse. So in her note, she wrote, I'll be home around 7 p.m., two dead mice under the kitchen table, make yourself a sandwich. (laughs) It's great, isn't it? I can relate to that. The bonkersness and craziness of life when it's just like rammed so full. But there was this, this guy, this rich guy who was young and was this influential leader in the community. He, his life had been pretty full. It had been full on and he was a decent bloke. And he came up to Jesus. And again, those of you who are familiar with the Bible, if you want to have a little look at this little bit, it's Matthew 19, 16 to 24. And, and the story says this, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, I did a bit of digging around, because us preachers, our job is to do a bit of digging around, to try and find out, to try and help us understand what some of the sentences in the Bible really mean, because the Bible wasn't written originally in English, and sometimes you have to do a little bit of digging around just to help you understand. So I did a little bit of digging around, and I found out that the original language that the Bible was written in, when this man came to Jesus and said, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? It wasn't that. He was saying, what good thing must I do to get a full life? Anybody here want a full life? I'm not about necessarily rammed full of appointments, but just... Just that sense of contentment. It's a desirable thing, right? It's a desirable thing for every human being to look at our life and say, Do you know what? This feels great. This feels full. This feels satisfying. 
And as he's mentioned this to Jesus, Jesus, well, they had a bit of an interaction. Jesus said, well, you've got to keep the commandments. And he said, well, I've, I've done all these, but I still feel like I lack something. So Jesus said to him, if you want to really get this, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Now let me just say something here. It's not that you've got to give away all your possessions to follow Jesus. That's not what it's about. Although you've got to move the focus of those things out of your life. But Jesus knew that the key thing for this guy is he couldn't give up those things. And it says in that little reading that he went away sad. And the the great sadness is he went away sad because he couldn't give up the one thing that stopped him laying hold of the one thing that he really wanted. And, And what saddens me so often is I meet lots, lots of people who... You know, would, would, would say to, to me they're not really a Christian, they're not somebody who's thinking uh, about becoming a Christian, but often long for something in life. And the, the great sadness is I can see what the one thing they really want is found in God, but they're not always willing to give up the one thing they have to get the one thing that they really want. I've met so many people, and it breaks my heart, who over, over many, many years have finally, in their words, said, finally I became a Christian, but I, re- I had a regret. And I said, what was the regret? They said, because if I'd have known it was like this, I'd have done it sooner. If I'd have known it was like this, I'd have done it sooner. Ladies and gentlemen, don't make the same mistake that this rich young ruler had. All that you really want is found in God. All that you really need is found in God. Let go of Whatever it is that holds you from getting that. The Bible's so wise. It, it says so many things. And one thing it says is this. What good does it do anyone if they gain the whole world but lose their own soul? It's like what good does it do anyone if we amass everything but lose, lose our soul? The real us, the place where God wants to live. The place where... God wants to connect with us. What good does it do? So often we can put our focus on amassing, amassing so many things, gaining so many things, and yet we lose the one thing that really, we really, really want, which is connection with God. The one thing that we really need, which is connection in God. The great news is, however, there is a way to connect with God. And at the end of my talk this morning, or this afternoon rather, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But there is a way that we can connect with God. Now, And I, I love this other little sentence in the Bible. Let me read it. It's got a little religious word in there. I'll explain it for those of you who are not familiar with the Bible. Let me read it first. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. So salvation is one of those words that is kind of a bit misunderstood. So l- let me help explain it a little bit. It's, it's a similar word to salvage. Now, anybody seen those programs? I love it. They call it upcycling. And one of my favorite ones is this lady who goes around all the, the, the tips. They're called recycling plants now. And she goes around and she watches people who are throwing things away. And then uh, she said, oh, can I have that? And she, she takes it from them. And then she restores it into something beautiful. 
And uh, where, where it was once like only fit for throwing into a skip, she sees the potential in it and then grabs that potential within that item and, and pulls some other people alongside and they salvage it. So instead of it being thrown away, they salvage it, but then they restore it. So when he talks about in the Bible, this word salvation is found in no one else. What it's saying is rescue and restoration is found in no one else. Because there's no other name given under heaven by which we can be rescued and restored. Jesus is amazing, right? So you've heard this morning two people who've taken some steps to go on a bit of a journey because they felt God nudging them. Uh, Two people who've met Jesus and he's transformed their lives. There would be many, many people in this place who could tell you about how Jesus has rescued them and restored them. He's taken them from something and made them into someone. Taken them and made them into something beautiful. Something satisfying. Something that's restored. The truth is when we do things our own way and leave God out. We do make a mess of our lives. And that needs rescuing and restoring. And when Jesus walked around on planet earth, that's what he was doing. He was rescuing and restoring. Why did Jesus leave heaven and come down to earth? Because he wants to rescue and restore. And one of the beautiful things that takes place when you connect with God, you begin to see how he just restores your life. I want to make a bold claim, but I make it because I know it's true. There is nothing that you have done in your life that God cannot cope with. Uh, There's nothing that you've done in your life that God can't rescue you from and restore it. There's no mistake that you have made that God can't turn around. Okay, so you can't eradicate the mistake, but God has this wonderful way of being able to transform situations. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. You would never guess what his life was like because Jesus has restored him. You might be here saying this morning, well, that's okay, Mark, because some some people really, really need that. I've met lots of people who've not really needed it in, in in their language. And what they've told me is that they were doing all right in life, actually. But when they connected with God, they found out that however well they'd done, However much they'd accomplished in life, when they connected with God, it it opened them up to a whole new vista, a whole new life, a whole new liberty, and a whole new freedom. Don't make the mistake that the rich young ruler did of thinking he'd got everything that he needed, but he wasn't willing to give those up to get the one thing that he really, really wanted. Allow God to rescue you, to restore you, to make you new. Make you new. A third mistake is a guy named Festus. Although this is interesting. So there's a guy called Paul in the Bible, right? And uh, he used to be called Saul, by the way. And uh, P- Paul's had a bit, of a, a bit of a transformation. I mean, a major transformation. He's gone from killing Christians to loving them, all right? And, and just he's written the vast majority of what we call the New Testament part of the Bible, which is the newest bit, creatively called. 
And uh, Saul's kind of telling his story in front of a king. And uh, he's explaining what's happened. And there's a guy called Festus. And he is not happy. He is kicking off. And he shouts out, you're out of your mind. Often people might look at Christians and think they're out of their mind. But Saul, Paul as he's now called, turns around and he says, I'm not out of my mind. And he says this, I'm not out of my mind. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is true and reasonable. What I am saying is true and reasonable. Mistakes are easily made. I read this great notice on the church years and years and years ago. It said, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Memorial Church. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. What a mistake that is. So often we can misunderstand what's been articulated and communicated and it can seem sometimes that Christianity isn't reasonable and that it's not true. But here's this guy saying, I'm telling you, it is reasonable and it is true. And I want to suggest to you today, if you're here this afternoon and you've not yet said yes to God, I want to say to you, it's true. It's real. It transforms lives. It makes a difference. It's not some highfalutin, incomprehensible, unattainable code. It's, it's real. It's true. It works out in life. It transforms. It changes. It's true. And it's reasonable. Don't make the mistake this afternoon. Of thinking that it's not real. And thinking that it's not true. In a few seconds time I'm going to give an opportunity. If you're here today and you've never said yes to God. I want you to know that right now God is calling you. To put your life into his hands. He's inviting you. He's saying come on. Come on. And don't make the mistake of not giving it a try. Don't make the mistake of not investigating. Don't make the mistake of ruling out as unreasonable and untrue. But this afternoon, right where you are, why don't you join with millions and millions of people across the ages, across the world, who've connected with God and found out that living life God's way is the best way and the right way. They find out whatever they've given up, it's nowhere near compared to what they've received. And in doing so, they've discovered it's reasonable and true. I wonder if we might just pause for a few moments and pray. Let's just do that. I just want to create a slightly private space and moment right now um, and invite you to say yes to God. If you've never said yes to God, He's here and He's already said yes to you. He already loves you and He's calling you right now. To say yes to him, yes to his forgiveness, yes to new life, yes to to being rescued and restored. And all God wants you to do to start this next phase of your journey in life is to say yes to him. 
from your heart, just yes, God. And by saying yes, you're simply saying, not that you understand everything, but what you're simply saying, yeah, God, I, I want to I wanna go your way. I want to do your thing. Help me to follow you. Forgive me for leaving you out. Thank you that you sent your son to die. Take the punishment for my wrong. That's what it means to say yes. And just where you are now, in the stillness and quietness of your own heart, just say yes to him now. Not out loud, but just where you are. Yes, God. Yes, God. Join with the many people that even in the past few weeks I've had the privilege of helping to say yes, God. Just where you are. Yes, God. Just while every eye is closed, I've, I've written a little booklet for people that have said yes to God. And we, we'd love to get one of those to you. So some, um, some people from the church here have got a few of these booklets in their hand. They're just scattered around the room. And we'd love to get one of those to you. It, it'll just help you in the next few days, the next few steps to, to process and to move on within the context of saying yes to God. And so for those of you here who've said yes to God, just very simply, put your hand up in the, the air and these, these booklets will be got to you. Thank you. There's some down the front here. That's lovely. Right, a few of you just putting your hands up. That's fantastic. We're not, we're not going to rush because we don't want to, to miss anybody. There's somebody at the back there. That's great. Anyone else? Just going to wait for a few moments. It's a fairly large auditorium, so we just don't want to miss anybody if you've said yes to god this morning and just where you are raise up your hand just want to make sure we've not missed anybody is there anyone else that's great i'd like to pray and then i'm going to just say a couple of things before i um hand back over lord i praise you and thank you for those uh, a few folks who've said yes to you this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that the reason they can say yes to you is because, do you know what? You have already said yes to them. And Lord, we pray that as they begin to journey forward within the context of that choice that they've made this morning, that you'll help them to, to grow and to discover more and more about you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, just before I hand over, um, you remember at the earlier part of the service uh, that we invited you to listen to a few people that say um, how Alpha's been really helpful. And, and Alpha's a fantastic course. There are so many people globally from all nationalities who've been really helped in their journey of faith. And many, many people... Um, in, in, in this church have been helped as they've kind of journeyed. Because we know that the, becoming a Christian it is a journey, it is a process. And for those of you who've said yes to God this morning, I would want to encourage you to sign up to Alpha so that it will help you process in that journey. So at the end of the meeting, there'll be some people with those, um, those T-shirts on with the red question mark, and they've got uh, a sheet of paper and they'd love you just to come and say, hey, look, I'd love to, to come on Alpha. 
And, and that would help you. But Alpha's also helpful in other ways. So I have two groups of people that I always just talk to at the end of one of my talks. You see, I've experienced over the 31 years of doing talks for people that are thinking about faith that some people just need to look into it a little bit more before they decide. It's what I've caught, begun to call the little yes. So somebody becoming a Christian is like saying a big yes to God. Yeah, God, I want to follow you. I want to go your way. I want to do your thing. But a little yes is somebody who says, actually, I'm not really ready to do that big yes thing yet. But I do want to make an intentional decision to find out more, to investigate, to ask my questions, to those things that I struggle with. I want to, I want to ask those questions. And that's a, that's a great opportunity for those people, those little yes people, uh, to investigate. So let me encourage you to go and sign up on Alpha 2. I've met many, many people who've found that that has helped them to really investigate the Christian faith. But there's a, another group I mentioned, there were two. It's what I call the healthy maybes. You see, I, I think lots of people are open-minded about lots of things. But often we don't extend that to being open-minded about the Christian faith. And as, as I often say, if there's any ounce of possibility that what we've talked about this morning is true, then you owe it to yourself as a human being to just investigate. But you might not feel you can throw everything in. But I wonder whether you might be willing to become open-minded about the Christian faith. And if you're not open, uh, if you are already, forgive me, open-minded about the Christian faith, to make a decision even this morning, say, do you know what? I'm going to stay open-minded about it. Take your maybe and make it healthy. And it might be even for the likes of you. You say, I might give Alpha a whirl, actually. You don't have to go to every single session. But maybe just in keeping yourself open-minded, about it, you might be willing to take a little look. Well, why don't you uh, come and speak to one of those people this morning? And if you're here this morning, and whether you're big, yes, look, yes, or healthy, maybe, and uh, you didn't get one of these booklets and you'd still like to have one, we'd still love to give you one. So speak to one of the people with a lanyard, and I know that they'd be very, very happy to get one of these to you. Thank you so much for listening this morning and allowing me to explain a little bit of what it means to be a Christian this morning. God bless. Thank you.